Award-winning filmmaker, orator, educator, and comic book creator are just a few of the titles held by Shannon Newby, who joins me on the season finale of RxG Exclusives in 25 seconds. Wow. We must open up our You're watching RXG Exclusives. Dirty Laundry Air It Out centered on the happenings of one night in an all-night laundromat. Yo, my man, you can't drink that in here. Cause, man, you gotta put that away. It was no easy feat to accomplish, having shot in the late 90s and taking five years to complete and secure a distribution deal, my guest's award-winning 2003 feature-length directorial debut was released nationwide at Wow, what a difference, Blockbuster Video. <laughs> he followed it up with the acclaimed anthology TV series, Heavy Sedation, which was a bona fide hit in the Philadelphia tri-state area before being picked up for nationwide broadcast. His latest release is a literary endeavor. Shannon Newby, thanks so much for joining us. Wow, thank you. And, and thank you for actually researching who I was before we did this, although you know who I am because we know each other forever. <laughs> but uh, uh, thank you for having me, Rob. I appreciate it. You know, when I was a kid, I can't really say that I was a comic book lover, but occasionally I'd be in the store, I'd check out a comic book and completely be transported into whatever that world was. And of course, I appreciate films like M. Night's Unbreakable and more recently, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Your new 80-page graphic novel, Munch, Volume 1, centers on a spaceship that accidentally crashes on Earth and discovers that humans are delicious and then continually returns to Earth to gather humans as food. My name is David Munch, and I'm about to be someone's dinner. The irony of that is not lost on me. I absolutely love the premise. <laughs> when did you develop a passion for comic books, and what led you to create Snoopy Comics? Um, so, yes, yeah, so I... Uh, fell in love with comic books about the same time I fell in love with movies. I was about nine years old. Um, um, I, again, my love of movies started with the with you know ET. We'll get into that later. But the, the love of comics started with a, a book. Because uh, um, I had comic books as a kid, and I read a few things here and there. But then I read a um, the Uncanny X Men one sixty two, and it was one of those things that just it just transformed your whole mind. Like wow, what what could what could be told? And I was just so enamored with the story. And I just kind of started my love for comics. And the next thing you know, you know, uh, within a year or so, I started collecting. And I just went crazy for about 10 years collecting comic books. <laughs> um, so I've always had a love for it. I always wanted to always wanted to make comic books. I mean, again, at the same time, I only had two things I ever wanted to do with my life, which was make movies and, and make comic books. And um, so I so this coming now is actually a very long time um, um, process, long time to, to get to this point because uh, um I thought I would have started it sooner, but unfortunately, I've started it now, but that, that's where it is. When things are meant to be, they're meant to be. <laughs> yes. 
Now we both mentor young people in the filmmaking field and we both are products of the public school system having attended Kappa, the Philadelphia High School for Creative and Performing Arts. You're now teaching in the public school system. How has what you've learned in your career helped inspire young people and given their diverse backgrounds, what are some of the techniques you use to connect with them to create a mutual respect? Because I can't imagine it's easy with all the different personalities. Yeah, it's it's not. Teaching is a whole other animal. And I'll say this. I teach film and video production in the school system. Um, I've always said, you know, I never thought I would find anything I love as much as filmmaking until I found teaching. And I truly do enjoy uh, um, teaching. So um, for one, me coming into it, I, I think I have a different perspective because there are other film teachers across in the school district. But uh, because of because of my long history before becoming a teacher, and I, became, I started teaching at 38 years old and I had already um, had clocked 20 years in the, in the film industry as an indie filmmaker, as you said. Um, so uh, when I start again, when I started with film, I actually started shooting film. You know, my first feature film is in actual 60 millimeter film. So when I when I come to my students, you know, I, I I realize that I have a depth of knowledge that a lot of people don't necessarily have, or a depth of experience that I can bring to them, and um, showing them about how things used to be and how they are now. And I can, and so uh, for me as a teacher. One is is having a knowledge of the of the field, but the, there's a there's a key philosophy that I learned some time ago that I, I stick to, which is kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So you have to actually I have to I care for my students like I would care for my own children. Um, you know, it's it's tough sometimes. You know, sometimes it's got to be tough love. Sometimes you gotta, you know, um, put them in their place. Um, I've been through, I've been in a district. So this is my the third school I've, I've third school I've been in. And it's a much, much better environment than when I started. But I started at uh, West Philly High School, which was very rough. And uh, but it was trial by fire. So it wasn't a bad thing. I, I learned um, I learned the techniques of, of sometimes, you know, you go through a bad experience or, or think of think of as a bad experience. But one thing I say is that um, all experiences are good, even when they're unpleasant. You know, what I mean, so it was a rough experience being there and in a school with, with such, um, you know, say diverse personalities, and a lot of um, a lot of disciplinary issues. But uh, it made me so much stronger as a teacher going forward in my in, in future years, you know, because I've seen the worst of it. So when you come across uh, issues, it's like it's, you know, you just kind of, you know, dirt off the shoulder. So um, but I, the key thing is that um, having a knowledge that I have and and sharing with the students is one thing, but it, it's really about building that relationship with the students beyond just um, just beyond film, because I have a lot of students who graduate and high school and they're going to do other things. Um, but the relationships and the things that I've, 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 I've built with them as far as concerning like professionalism and soft skills and um, and hopefully that when I always say that I've prepared them well when they when they leave the building for the last time. That's the way I always look at it. Well, and I have to give you an extra tip of the hat because as a man of color teaching, that's that's something to talk about. It, it is. And it's I mean, it's I'll say this because there's not a lot of uh, um, African-American male teachers in, in the school district. Um, like I said, I, I love teaching. I really do. Um, people always say, no, I, I always say, like, you know, people talk about teaching being tough. It can be, but I find more and more, the more seasoned you become at it, the teaching becomes easy and the job becomes the hard part. You know, it's so always it's not the teaching, it's the job. You know, um, you know, it's so I can deal with the kids. It becomes the other stuff beyond the kids that makes the job difficult. You know what I mean? So. And, and you hold on sometimes a little bit longer than you should with a lot of things because you you know how much I, I take. I'll say this way. I, I think of teaching in the same vein that you would take someone who is a, a medical doctor or uh, someone whose job, like, you know, the things that I do 
and the way I present myself to the kids matter. Like I can have a profound effect on the kid's life, positive or negative. You know what I mean? So I always think about, you know, you, you can have a job doing um, something to where it's like, if you don't do a good job, okay, you don't do a good job and, and it doesn't really hurt people. But if I don't do a good job, I think I can really, um, you know, negatively affect the students. So I'm always aware of that. Hmm. Well, when you were about nine years old, you told your parents you wanted to make movies. Were yes. they supportive of that dream or did, did they want you to follow a more traditional path in life? I, I'm very thankful that my parents were always very encouraging. You know, uh, so the story goes when the movie thing, again, comic books and movies at the same time. Uh, I saw the movie E.T. and I remember it so clear. Like uh, I, I was enamored with it. I loved E.T. And one day my father was like, it was 82, was sitting down at the dining room table and he was reading a newspaper and, he was, and it was an article about Steven Spielberg. And I was standing there talking to him about, and he said, this guy, Steven Spielberg. And I remember seeing the pictures and he made uh, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I also love. He made movie E.T. and um, he made jokes, which I hadn't seen, but I knew what it was. And I just kind of pieced it all together. Like, oh, movie directing is a job. Like, I never thought about it being a job. And I said, I want to be a movie director. That's what I want to do. Because I love movies. Like, I just love, love movies leading before that. I love movies and cartoons. And I was just, you know, like, always just so enamored with uh, movies. And I was the kind of kid to repeat all the lines. And But I never thought of it as being a career. I was just in love with the actual, uh, uh, the art form. So then when I realized it was something that a person could do, I was like, that's what I want to do. And I, and I have never changed career choices since. You know what I mean? So... Um, but yeah, that's how, that's how I came to be. Yeah, it's fantastic having that kind of support. And, and you know, through the continued advent of technology, anyone has the ability to create films and other creative content just by picking up their phone or a tablet. And while there's no rhyme or reason to what's popular on the internet or even in the industry, many people lack the proper training and structure it takes for their work to be at a certain level. What's your advice to folks who might be interested and storytelling through the art of motion picture. Some people just make films because they want to make money, but I mean, I started doing it for the love of the art. I just love making films. I love telling stories. I love, you know, making visual medium. Um, and, you know, so when I first started, again, when I could, I started shooting video. My father got a video camera when I was like 13 years old. It was his camera, but we, I know I soon co-opted and started making videos of my brothers and sisters. Um, so uh, we, and of course, the movies are terrible, you know, they, but they're horrible. But again, I love doing it because we were just playing around and having fun and making movies. And I started editing like two these and two VCRs and editing deck to deck, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, I, I loved it. So I tell people all the time, you know, if you want to make movies, just start making movies, but don't stay there. Don't just stay with the point of I'm just making movies and they're, and they're terrible, you know, one after another. Like, you know, there's a thing called um, deliberate, deliberate practice. So you do things and deliberately to get better at what you do. I mean, that's what makes you better. It's not just, if I if I play the guitar and I keep playing the same song over and over again without ever taking note of what I'm doing, then you'll stay in that same place. So you should, so you do your work, you look at it, you reflect upon it constructively, say, I could have done this better. How do I do this? You seek out answers and you go back and you do it again. So I tell my students that all the time, you know, you know, um, you work constructively to, to be better at what you do. So, uh, you know, learn, and again, learn, um, because learning the basics of filmmaking really isn't as hard as people make it out to be. You know, learn composition, learn shot selections, you know, learn um, exposure, uh, you know, learn uh, sound and decibels. It's nearly, it most most components of filmmaking can be broken down into like basic three or four, three or four uh, um, pieces. Like I always say, like when I talk about, I teach composition. I mean, it's three basic compositions, wide shot, medium shot, close up. Now, of course, you got extreme wide shot, you got an over the show, you got a profile, but what kind of profile is it? Medium profile or 
or a close-up profile, you know, um, uh, is it is it is it extreme wide or wide? So that take the time to learn the basics of the of of the art form. And of the one thing I always say, because I always look at these people say the rules of filmmaking. I always say that I don't like call them rules, but I call them guidelines. Um, because the only rule I would say is this: if it works, do it. If it doesn't work, don't do it. You say, well, how do I know if it works? If it's supposed to be funny, I should be laughing. If it's supposed to be serious, I should feel the drama. If it's supposed to be scary, I should be scared. And if I'm not feeling these things, then it's not working. You know, so the cool the rule is to do what works, you know, and learn all the rules or the guidelines. And then once you learn them, you can get rid of them because every rule that's been created for film has been broken successfully and worked for whatever person was going to do with it. So, um, you know, you have to take it like anything. You got to take you, you got to take it seriously. And I think for a lot of people, they just think like, oh, I'm just going to get up and make something and do it. And it's fun. And that's a great attitude to have. Get up and do it and make it and do it. It's fun. But if you want to grow and, you know, in the in the art form. You have to put the time in, you know, and I've been doing this now for a long time, Robert. I'm not going to say the years, but it's been a lot of years and I'm still um, not great in, in all aspects. You know, I was just talking and teaching my students um, lighting and, um, you know, you know, uh, talking about Roger Deakins, you know, Roger Deakins, he did uh, all like all the Coen Brothers movies. And he's a fantastic cinematographer. And, you know, it's like, called, call, you know, go paint with light and, you can spend literally 10 years just learning how to be a great uh, gaffer and, and lighting a scene and um, and still not be as good as, as other people. So uh, it's, you know, so that that's the key. Deliberate learning, practice. Yeah, the learning process never stops. Yes, I'm sorry if I'm getting long-winded, but yes. No, 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 this this is what the show's about. So, yeah, pick it up and, do, and, and have fun, you know, and enjoy what you do, don't do it because, don't create film just because people say, well, this is what's selling me, I'm gonna make this. Do it because it's what's in your heart to what you want to do and create something that's fun and just keep trying to get better at it. You know, just, you know, wherever you start, wherever you are, but always think, like, OK, how can I be better? How can I make this better? And if you follow that and you're doing it for the again, when I say the right reasons, you're doing it because you actually enjoy doing it. You know, you can't lose. Absolutely. And and you mentioned editing by VCRs. For the younger people out there, if you don't know what a VCR is, you got to look it up. <laughs> yeah, deck to deck editing is what you call it. Yes. <laughs> Well, now we both know how challenging filmmaking is with financing being right up there at the very top. I always say that I'm happiest when I'm in my creative space. When the resources just aren't there to properly execute your art, how do you stay creative and productive? You know, it's so funny you say that um, because, I mean, now as a filmmaker, it's, 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 it's so easy to make movies. It is just so easy. And I'll say that because I remember, again, when I started, you know, I started, um, I got into the field in 1991 uh, when I, you know, and work as community college for love and I got into the field and it was really hard to like find resources and things like that. Now, there's, I mean, if you want to make a movie, there's no reason you can't make a movie if you, if you truly want to do that. Um, but I have had an issue with not being able to do film because my life has become so overwhelmingly uh, complicated or or just time constrained. Um, and what, and just like you saying, like I have to be creative. And I've gone through these long periods of time where I was not wasn't being creative, and I was being depressed, not realizing why I was being depressed. But I was I was just living my life, just going from task to task to task, and not spending time to just stop and just sit in that creative space. Because you know, it's not like just saying like, okay, now time to be creative. You have to let your brain breathe. You have to like get out. You have to just take, let go of things, just kind of sit and let the, let the, the ideas flow and, and, and things like that. So some, so I realized that to keep myself from being crazy and to being depressed, I have to be creative. So in saying that part of why I started the comic book, um, 
uh, a journey was because I was not being able to shoot. And I was like, well, let me write my, I want to, I'm going to start pushing the, the comic book um, uh, um, thing because like something I always wanted to do. And I was like, what do you want to spend your time with? I said, I'm going to do that. Um, I also, I've made uh, uh, um, um, uh, music in GarageBand when, you know, I get enough not to be released to the public, but uh, I created my, I created music in GarageBand. You know, um, I, I pretend to learn how to play the guitar, which I'm terrible at. Um, Listen, I got a guitar about three, three or four years ago for Christmas, and I still haven't learned it. Yeah, I have three guitars, a bass, a congo drum, a harmonica. As growing up as kids, I had we had all these great instruments, and none of us, my brother and sister and I, and we never learned how to play anything. So you know, it's a, it's a sad shame. We had a, a organ, and you know. Right now, I'm doing the same thing for my kids. Like I got them a keyboard, and I got them, you know, guitars, and you know, they're not picking it up yet. But hopefully, they'll they'll find a way to it at some point. But yeah, I'm I'm always I'm I'm always doing something creative. I, I mean, like I have to just to stay balanced, to stay sane, to stay um to stay on you know on point. And if I if I'm not doing that, um, it, it really does affect me throughout my you know throughout the other parts of my life because you know as as you know as a creative person, you have to do, I have to do something creative and some capacity. I'm I'm also I'm a writer, needless to say. Um, so I've been writing um, uh, uh, um, a novel for a long time. You know, it started off as one short story, then became a series of short stories. And so I'm still working on that. And at some point I need to finish it because uh, um, uh, I do want to put it out. You know what I mean? So, but I, but just, but right, I just have to find something creative, either, either in my writing or like say trying to make music on GarageBand or trying to learn how to play the guitar, doing something. I have to do something to make myself, uh, make my brain okay so to speak well the world is a busy place with lots of noise and lots of discourse often the arts is used to provoke conversation and change and sometimes it's used solely as a form of escapism what would you say is your personal brand of storytelling and what influences your creativity uh so i, I enjoy my um creative narrative storytelling so in my, with my media company out the house media um, my focus is always narrative storytelling. Like I'm not interested in reality TV or interested in, um, you know, just a lot of things that other people do. And, and, and my thing for me, because again, what drives me is, you know, telling stories. I'm a creative person. I like creating stories, writing stories. Um, so my brand is always about, um, I always say good stories, well told, you know, I want to, I want a great story and I want to tell it well, uh, in whatever form, whatever form I'm doing it. in. if it's, if it's, if it's uh, comic books or graphic novels or, uh, or or TV or or you know features whatever I'm doing if I'm creating it I want it to be something where I'm yeah. telling a story you know telling telling yeah. a story so on my on my YouTube channel I also do vlogging and my vlog I have a, a, a thing on my on my channel called uh, um, my journey so far and basically what it is is it's like me telling stories of of all the different things that I've gone through as a creative person throughout my career you know so it's like uh, um. The, so that's my brain. That's so my my style. My brain is is to find an interesting story and tell it well, uh, and that that's that's really what I focus on. I like and I like I like weird stories. You couldn't tell, you know. What I, mean? I like something that's it's like you know something that's that's constantly that's even not sharp turn, just unfolding, 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 and then it goes left, you know. But not like everything is a stream. Then it goes left. It unfolds and then it's like, whoa, wait a minute now, you know something. That's why like the TV show is called Heavy Sedation. People think it was a drug reference, but it wasn't. It was like. You ever watch a movie or something that's so intriguing, like you're just so into it, like you're so focused. It's like, what are you watching? You just like you're just zoned in because you're just you're poor, like, what the heck is going on? You know, um, um, like the first time I saw the Matrix, I was just like so there. I could not, I couldn't turn away from it. So I like I like stories to be 
to tell those kind of stories where people are just zoned in and people can't turn away from it. Just almost like almost mesmerized by the story. They can't turn away from it. Well, you mentioned heavy sedation. Any chance of uh, rebooting that, bringing it back? I, I remember it. It was it was a really compelling, interesting show. Well, I, um, I, I, it was always in my mind to do that. So the show ran from 2006 to 2010. Um, so by 07, we started in November of 2006, and then by November 07, we were in the Philadelphia market. We started on um, a second-tier public television station called WYBE, which is no longer around. And we had did so well um, locally. Like, we were the number four show on, on the station in Philadelphia. The only thing we weren't beating were, like, the, 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 uh, the, the Korean dramas, which is, like, a whole, like, animal. But we were beating everything else outside of the Korean dramas, which were not um, produced here. Of course, they were, they were coming from Korea. So we were the number one local show on the station anyway so um we did so well and i got the nielsen ratings about how well we're doing so then next thing you know i got we got picked up by uh nita which is the uh national education television association and they picked us up to us to go um nationwide and um they had uh said that we hope we can get at least 10 stations to go but you know i just i really put my pedal to the metal and i got a lot of stations i got 40 it was 40 aired on 48 tv stations across the country and in canada as well so um so yeah, it was a it was a great, great a wonderfully received show. Um, show ended because we had we had two seasons. We were in the second episode on the second episode of season three when um, this was in '09 and the recession came. My underwriters all pulled out. I couldn't support the show anymore, and um, I just basically we just like okay because we shot like seventy five percent of of the second episode of season three, and then we never got to finish the uh, finish it. So. Um, I still want to put that together. I think I want to get like an animator to like animate the scenes that I, that I didn't shoot. And this was a show that you you financed yourself. Yeah, yeah. So and that's and that's, the goal was I was hoping that I was going to get myself to a point the show would start taking care of itself. So I had underwriters, but it wasn't enough to fund the. Show. I was you know I had my business I was doing, um, uh, um, you know, but again, doing mostly like corporate video production work stuff. And I was I was financing the show through through the, the that entity, and then when things started drying up, um, I couldn't uh, I couldn't fund it. And the most frustrating thing was everyone still wanted the show, but nobody wanted to pay for it because they you knew they got the show for free, and it was basically then you get the the product for free, and then I, I have to uh, fund it myself. And then if I get the underwriters to fund it, and if again you get eyes on you and you become you know very well known, then you can get better bigger fund underwriters, so forth and so on. This is all before YouTube became YouTube. You know, YouTube started in 05. It's like 07, 08, 09. But with that being said, um, the, the show did do very well. Um, and like I said, we're, and we, I, I, so I never, it never ended properly. I'm thinking, um, I still have a hundred sto more stories to tell. I don't know if, if, if are those stories are going to get told at some capacity. I don't know if I'm going to bring back heavy sedation anymore or I'll start a whole new show that's very similar and just call it a different name. Um, but it'll still be still those those stories, you know what I mean? So um, there's a lot more to tell. If it was going to be on the heavy, heavy station banner or not, I don't know. <laughs> I'll say it that way. So um, so be it. The two disc uh, 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 um, complete series DVD is available for those who want to see it. You know, and there are some episodes on the YouTube channel. Well, Shannon, what's on deck for you in the new year, and how can people support what you're up to? Um, well, what's on deck for me now is uh, I'm gonna do it. Here comes the shameless plug. Prepare. So <laughs> here's Munch, the graphic novel. Ooh. Ooh. So uh, Snoopy Comics, which uh, is Snoopy S N O O B Y, you know, not um, which is Shannon Newbie Comics. Um, so that I'm, so I'm going forward with the creation of my um, 
graphic novel. So this one is out. I'm actually hoping to start production for 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 volume two. I was doing floppies at first, and again, a floppy is the uh, like the, the standardized floppy comic I'm having over here. Uh, but I'm really focused on doing um, um, graphic novel work now. Also, I have like my kids comic here, Super Nana and Cat Bat, which is uh, my kids comic. And uh, and so again, I have these, but I'm going to instead of doing individual floppies, I'm going to think about just kind of doing things more in volumes like this, you know, selling books as opposed to selling comics. Um, because I think that I just have more more opportunity to sell them as books than as comic books because uh, a comic book goes into a comic book store, but graphic novels and books can go typically anywhere. You know what I mean? So, um, but that's my that's my my one focus is this. Um, the second thing that I'm doing. Going into New Year is, uh, you know, like uh, um, in increasing my my um, um, vlogging on um, YouTube. I'm going to be doing that, and I'm also doing some blogging or going into next year as well. Um, writing a lot of articles and uh, have some uh, people have been asking for me to do some writing for them, so uh, I'm I'm doing that as well. But I'm I'm really focused on I'm I'm pulling away from because I I got really I say yes too much, you know, I, and I was saying I was doing a lot of uh, projects that. Um, I wasn't really happy with because a couple of things that I'm working on that that I do want to keep go doing because I'm really interested in and in seeing that seeing it come to fruition. But um, my my mindset going this this going forward into the new year is uh, vlogging and blogging. You know <laughs> that's that's the main part, vlogging and blogging, and uh, and the next issue of uh, both of these books. So I still have I have two titles now, which is this the Munch and and Super Nanny Cap app. So that's my goal is to uh, get to the next issues of those. Um, and there is a movie on the horizon. Um, so I was just, uh, so uh, I have a lot more movies in me to do. And I'll say this, I was just talking to our good friend, Brian Anthony Wilson. And I said, uh, you know, I have stuff for you. Cause I, you know, so Brian, for those who know Brian, that, that, that's my big brother. Um, I've written so many scripts for Brian over the years. It's, it's crazy. So we got to start to do one of these at some point. We have tons of scripts that I wrote for him. And, um, and hopefully um, maybe not in 2023, but 2024, we'll be making a movie together. So I'm gonna put it out there now. Put it on a, you know, my vision board. Make sure we can get that, get that to happen. Well, Brian is awesome, friend to me, friend to the show. We've co-starred in a couple things together, and this has been an absolute pleasure, Shannon. We've never had a chance to collaborate, but you've always been very supportive and encouraging through the years of my artistic growth. I think the last time we saw each other was actually we bumped into each other at a supermarket several years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that's that's me now, just supermarket. You know, I don't get recognized as much anymore, which is not, you know, <laughs> you know, so uh yes, that, that's a good thing. But uh but here's wishing you the very best as this holiday season comes to a close. And thank you all for watching the season finale of RXG exclusives. Happy New Year. Shannon, thanks so much, man. I appreciate Robert, it. Robert, you did a fantastic job. <laughs> Thank you. I can't wait to get you on uh, couch and desk. <laughs> <laughs>